what Tzadik brings down in the Sefer, different Sefer. Tzadik brings down in the Sefer Divrei Seifrim, he says, A Yid should never be Mayayish, no matter what. He says, whether it's a physical thing, and um, and even if a person is, let's say, in the quagmire of hate, and he uh, feels, uh, I give up, I'm lost, nevertheless, a person should never feel tshuva can't help, no matter what. Even if he does averus that they say there's no tshuva, a person should never be miyayish and he should do tshuva. So he says, uh, by yidden there's no such thing as nish. Where do you see this from? You see this from Avram and Sarah. When Avram was 100 years old and Sarah was 90, one could have thought that it was hopeless and our whole nation is good on a matzah where the average person would have said, forget about it, it's not going to happen. And that's what Shabbos called Yitzchak, right? You know, where he will laugh one day, we'll have the last laugh of history. But that's the Yisrael Yitzchak. So it sort of goes on to say, and you see this also, when uh, Avram went to war against these four kings, that were uh, mightiest kings in the world. They they destroyed everybody on their way to fight in the five kings that they destroyed. And uh, conservative estimates said there were about a million soldiers. And uh, he takes uh, 318 soldiers and he goes and he fights. And the Gemara tells us in Mesech Nesnadorim it was only one person was Eliezer. So you have to understand it was only Eliezer. Why does the Torah just say, uh, he took Eliezer. Why does it say, whatever. Just say it was Eliezer. Why is the Torah hiding the fact and giving us number 318? You find also that Moshe um, Rabbeinu was also in this matzav of Cherev Chad of Yenachas al He was taken by Paro after uh, he killed the Mitzri and they wanted to kill him. And the executioner put down his sword on Moshe's neck and it turned into marble. And Moshe was able to run away. So he named his first son Eliezer. So he wanted to be Makkah the He could have called him Yoshua or Hoshea or Azariah. He specifically picked the name Eliezer. So um, Tzadok is Masber that the site is that the gematria of Eliezer is 318. The gematria of the word Yish is 317. Right? Your mind is racing through this. So, Yish is 317, Eliezer is 318. We want to be, go beyond Yish. A Yid does never be Yish. A Yid transcends the ability to be Yish. So, if you know the Rebbeinishim is on your side, you never have a mokum to be meyayish. That's the yisoyt advarim. No matter what, no matter where. And that's why you find when tzaddik starts off, even if this is mishdakeya bechet, you find that the mayor had a rebbe Elisha ben Avram. He known to us as Achir because uh, he, he went off the derech. And Rav Meir kept on 
trying to get into the tshuva. The Mora tells us that one day Rebbe is learning with uh, the mayor's learning with his Rebbe. It was on Shabbos, and his Rebbe's riding a horse, and the mayor's walking beside him. And at some point, Elisha Ben says to the mayor, Chazorbach, Getzchum and Zir, I'm counting the footsteps of my horse, so you better go back. You're a Shemitayr Mitzvah. So the mayor says to his Rebbe, Nu Chazorbach, maybe you should go back. So he says, I can't. Shemati Nechari Apargu that I can't do tshuva. So the shayla is, everybody gave up. The mayor didn't give up. After he died, he claimed he did tshuva. The mayor held him to do tshuva. Why did the mayor have such a feeling? Because the Gemara tells us in Gittin, where does the mayor come from? Nero in Kesar was sent by the Vukhanetzer to destroy the base of Midrash. He comes to Yerushalayim and he shoots arrows. Wherever he shot the arrow with turns around and goes to Yerushalayim. He says, something's going on over here, right? So he asked the child, tell me a Pusik. What Pusik did they learn? The child tells him a Pusik that Hashem is going to get Bovel to destroy the base of Migdash, and then he wiped his hands on Bovel. So he says, so I'm going to be the sucker to destroy the base of Migdash, and now I'm going to get to Shretter. He ran away, and he was Megayer. The Yotsumi Menu Rav Meir. So Rav Meir says, my Zayda was supposed to destroy the base of Migdash, and I showed up instead. Right? So, I'm going to go down and give up on my Rebbe, and it's not Shaykh. Anything is Shaykh. The relationship here to help. I'm not giving up, no matter what. So, this is where the Meir comes from. But the Yid is not Meir That was the aside. Moshe took a Misa that Moshe Shera told over. Many years ago, it seems like uh, in Congress, there was a big push to outlaw Shemitah. I'm not sure when this was, many, many years ago. And um, Moshe Sheriff fought it, and he, he didn't stop until he knocked on every single door, and he spoke to every congressman, he spoke to every senator. And uh, he was able to finally convince everyone that, you know, that, that the shaykh has to check the chalos before shrit. He has to take it to a rub before shrit. It has to be so sharp, there's not the slightest nick. We are so careful that there's no tsar balichai, and the shrit is the most uh, painless way to kill an animal. Was haksta akos, that he finally was able to convince everyone. And they made a suda to, to that there was a nace, that he was able to avoid this terrible gezerah. So when Moshe Sher is spoken, he said, that this this mita to not giving up, not being the yayish, no matter how bad the situation was, he says, I learned this from my mother. And when I was a baby, this, uh, my father was nifter when I was a little baby. My mother raised us by herself. We were very poor in the lower east side of Manhattan. And Namish, uh, my mother had no money. And one day I was very sick, a little baby, and I got very sick. The doctor came and said that the only thing that will help me was a certain medication, but it was very expensive. My mother had no money to buy it. But she didn't give up. She wrapped me up, ran with me to the closest pharmacy, or to the specific pharmacy that was there. And she told the guy behind the counter, I don't have money, but please give me the medicine. It's my life, my child's life. is. I will come and clean the pharmacy every night for X amount of time to pay it off. I will be a cleaning lady, I'll wash the floors, I'll do everything, please give me the medicine. So he went and he said, okay, he made the medicine, gave it to her. She's running home, and on the way home, they bump, they bump into a big African-American individual, 
who sees that she's holding uh, something in her hand. He grabs it and drinks it and it tasted terrible and he threw it on the floor and broke the bottle. She picks up the pieces. She could have been Mayayish at that point said, forget about it, everybody should not camp anymore. She runs back to the pharmacy. This time the owner of the pharmacy is behind the counter and she starts crying. I, I, it, it was broken. I was running home and this guy attacked me and he threw it on the floor and I don't know what to do. I'm going to clean, I'll clean the floors for another few months, whatever it is. Please give me the medication. So the, the owner finally puts the pieces together. And he hops what, what happened. And she shows him the broken pieces just to show him what happened. And he smells it and he says, he turns white. He says, Lady, if you would have given your baby the medicine, it would have killed him. The pharmacist gave you the wrong medication. He goes to the back of the store. He gives her a new prescription. He says, I'm not charging you for this, and you don't have to clean my floor. Take it as I deserve. And so he says, I'm alive today because my mother didn't give up, and I'm not going to give up. He doesn't give up. That was the Yisoy, that was the Maisa Moshe Shera told about himself. So I just saw, I just heard a Moedeka Maisa about the Ephraim Waxman's great-grandfather or grandfather, I think. His Rebetzin's grandfather, Dr. Zuchmir. So the Maisa was that they were in, in, in Austria, in Vienna, the Nazis were coming, and they had to run away. So they ran to another city where there was uh, thousands of refugees trying to escape the Nazis. And he went to the to the port. He found the sailor, and he asked him if the sailor could take them to Europe. <coughs> and the sailor could just take them away from Europe. So the sailor said, listen, I'm going to England. You're welcome to come. If you have a passport, that's stamped. You have to have a visa to get me to get yourself into England. So he ran several miles to get to the English embassy. And he gets there, and there's like lines around the building ten times. It's like, uh, remember when I waited on wine to get tickets for the Knicks playoff game in 1969, right? So, you know, I'm sure this was a lot worse, but there, there were lines around the embassy. It wasn't shy if to get in. All of a sudden, it starts to pour The next thing you know, the place is clear. And he just walks right into the building. All the guards have disappeared. Everything, it was rain or torrential downpour, like nothing. And everyone just ran for shelter. And the guards ran away. And he walks right into the building and he's face to face with the guy who gives out the passports. So he begs the guy, please, can you, can you sign my passport? I, have, I can get a boat. So the guy, uh, he, he, somehow he touched the nerve and he gave him very, he says, sure, give me the passport. He reaches into his pocket. And he realizes that he forgot the passports at home. So he faints on the spot. Finally, they revive him, and the guy says, what's the matter? He says, I realized I forgot the passports at home. So the guy says, don't worry. I'll just write you up a letter. So he writes him a letter. Anyone signed with this paper is free to enter into England, signed by whatever he was, the guy in charge. So this year went, he signed as many families as he could sign on that piece of paper, 
because it said anyone signed in this paper. And he got like a hundred families on the paper. They all got on that boat. And he saved like a hundred families. And a young, because he didn't, you know, he never give up in the worst possible moment. Here he's about to get this, and he forgot the passport, Laman Hashem. You would have think you could give up. You never know. It turns out to be that that was the moment of the biggest darkness that led to the Yeshua for, for thousands of Yidin. So that's the way it is. A person, you can't give up. A person has to put in the kaiches. You don't give up. You're not supposed to give up on yourself either. And that person sometimes, uh, you know, we, we're frustrated with ourselves. We give up on ourselves. You have to know Sheva Yipo Tzadik Mekom. You can always put yourself back together again. So Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky tells over, and I, I think the story is about he himself, that he went to the Chazanish after the war. It's a brocha could be... I, I, I saw the story several times, even in his forum, and sometimes he brought a friend, and sometimes it seemed to be a him, but I'll call upon him. So he brought a year to, to the Chazanish, who was Tzibroch, and he lost everything in the war. So he's left Garnish, his family, his parents, his brothers and sisters, Garnish and Tzibroch in the year. So he took him to the Chazanish. And the Chazanish says to him, you look like a Ben Torah, and I tell you an uh, interesting halachic shayu. He says, okay. So he says, there's a Misa, there's a Psakaloch of a Yitzchokon inspector. There's a year who had a business that involved going once a year to the Arid, the market, to buy merchandise. And um, this one year he was sick. He couldn't go. He was really sick enough that, you know, he had surgery, whatever it was. So he had to tell his wife what to do and she had to go. So he trained his wife. He told her exactly where to go, what to buy, how to buy, how to check the material, how to, what to get the best deals, the whole. He trained her and she went and, you know, and she was going to do all the marketing. So she, she makes the purchases. Things are going smooth. She reaches to take her purse and she can't find it. She's mamish going crazy. She can't find her purse. She's running around like a chicken without a head looking for the purse. And uh, they ask him to announce in all the shuls that this, she's missing it. And finally, some guy comes forward and he says, uh, I found it, but I'm not giving it back. So he says, what do you mean you're not giving it back? He says, and I know it says, you find something in a or in a city that's right, the owner is Megayish and you can keep it, so I'm keeping it. But it's mine. I know it's yours. But listen, I'm a, I'm a poor person. I need the money. How much is I can keep it? With all due respect, I'm going to keep it. So she takes him to the rough. And he tells the rough, You find something so you can keep it. So the rough said, I, I'm not passing him so fast. So he sent the child to the Yitzhakuchan inspector. The Yitzhakuchan inspector sends back right away, the guy can't keep it, he has to give it back. And what's the pshat? This is very poshit. Whose money was this? Money belonged to the lady's husband. So the reason why he can keep something in a book of Shrav because the owner was Mayayish. He says, but the husband wasn't there. It would be, you know, no cell phones those days. So it's Yishalai Midas, right? Yishalai Midas is not kind of. 
So it's very posh. You can't keep it. The, the owner wasn't aware of it. So Yish, let me ask me, pass it like a body is not Yish. So Chazanish turns to the guy and says, good, good sack. He says, yeah, more you take on the way you do. He says, and who's the Bala boss over you? You're not the regular, but the Rebbeinah is your Bala boss. He's not Miyayish on you. You have no business being Miyayish on yourself. A year has to realize the Abish does never Miyayish on him. So I'm not the Bala boss to be Miyayish. So a year can't be Miyayish. That's the aside. We're not allowed to give up on ourselves, right? Uh, there was a, a, a doctor from Germany, from a year. And, um, he visited, he visited the yeshiva of the world in Poland and Lithuania. And he was like blown away. Like he saw his <laughs> mirror, it's the vodka and tells and uh, all the big yeshivas. And all of a sudden he says, you know, he ends up, he goes to the Chafetz Chaim, he says to the Chafetz Chaim, I'm a yid in Deutschland. I lived with Sham Shofel Hirsch's Messiah. I became a doctor. I, and I thought, I'm a ganz chosh of a yid. I, I do it in the morning. I had my practice on Erlich. You know, I learned a little bit, you know. And now I came to this world of yeshivas and uh, I feel like I lost everything, right? You know, who am I now? I, I see the Gedoidlin and I see the, the, the Neitaira and the yeshivas and the Hasmada. And I figure, uh, right? So the said, I don't know, you might be next to me in Ganeiden. He says, are you kidding? He says, let me tell you something. It says in Bereshis that there was an Eitzachayim B'Soich Hagan. So why is the Torah have to tell me that Eitzachayim was B'Soich Hagan? What's the difference? It was in the corner, it was in the far east, the far west, what's the chilik where it was? Right? He says, the Eitzachayim means the Torah, the Eitz HaChaim of Mitzchus. That's B'Soich HaGan. That's Gan Eden. And if the Eitz HaChaim is B'Soich HaGan, the Torah, the Chiyas of eternal, eternal life. So anybody who's equally distant from the center has the same Shaykhs to the Eitz HaChaim. So you draw a circle around the, uh, the perimeter and everyone in that circle is just as close to the Yitzhakim. He says, I live in Raden, I'm in the Yeshivam area, Gesundheit, you live in Germany, but you're all equally distant from the Yitzhakim. You're all within that perimeter. You all have the same schus, right? You do the best you can, I do the best I can. That's why I shall put you. But the Yitzhakim is the Soyhagan. Everybody has a shaykhis, everybody belongs, everybody has a shaykhis. You know, he is, uh, you know, when he gives up on themselves and says, I'm done, he's there for you. Moshe puts us in the world and he puts the Eitzachayim in the center and we're all equally distant from the center. That's the main yisoyed. And so that's what you have to know. There was a year who came to Mrs. Alman Meltzer and he showed him a peckle of his chedushim. And then he said, here, page 311, these two are my last chedushim. The Mizraham says, What's Ratzlan? Your last Chedushim. He says, Rabbi, I can't. I'm blind. I went blind. He says, But let me tell you something. I was learning the Ian until I was, well, let's say, let's say 85 years old. I was Mamish learning about Amkis. 85, I decided, you know, I'm putting in enough Koiches. I'm an old man. It's time to chill, Shtiko. So I decided, you know, I'm going to start learning less. I'll, uh, you know, 
I'll, I'll take it easy. I'm not going to be misamic as much. I'm not going to learn with the same intensity. Take time to, you know, just, uh, you know, I'll relax. The next thing I know, a few days later, I'm blind. I ran to the eye doctor. He sends me to the uh, better eye doctor. He sent me to a specialist. They sent me to a top specialist. They send me, finally go to Vienna, to the top, top specialist in the world. And he examines me and he says, Sir, I'm sorry to tell you, but there's nothing I can do for your eyes. But can you answer a question? You should have been blind 10 years ago. Can you tell me why your eyes still worked until a few weeks ago? Send me the answer. As long as I pushed and pushed and pushed, Hashem gave me the kachis. When I said I quit, he says, okay. And I can pull the plug also. And person, as long as you keep on pushing, a Kaddish Baruch who doesn't give up on you. When a person decides to stop, so um, that's the Yisoyt Advarim. So I was thinking, the parsha starts, So the, the Medrash brings down, Rabbi Akiva was darshaning, and his Talmudim were falling asleep. So Rabbi Akiva, to wake up, Salmidim said, do you know why Esther Hamalka ruled of 127 Medinois? Because Sarah was uh, Tadekis for 127 years. So I saw in the Sefer Yalkut Yehuda from Rabbi Ginsburg, a rov in Denver, Colorado, right, many years ago. So uh, he says that, um, what is the connection? You know, what, what was going He says, Rabbi Akiva lived in the Dwer right around the time of the Chorban, right? He was there with uh, the revolution of Bar Kochma, right? So it was right after the Chorban. There were a lot of Tzabroch and Kaitin Klal Yisrael. The Chorban, people figured that's all over, what's going to be, who, you know, when's Mashiach going to come, it's all over. So people just, you know, gave up. And so there was no enthusiasm. And the people figured there's no future, you know. So Akiva said to them, Herzu, Sarah lived 127 years. And it took a while, but Lamaisa Esther Amalka ruled over the world because of this chus of Sari Neiman. Sometimes things take time, but you got to let it percolate. But everything has a tachlis. Anything you do doesn't go to waste. Don't be miyayish. Don't give up because everything can have a value. And so 127 years paid off. You're going to... If you go to sleep doing sheer, you know, what are you going to have to, the royalties in the future? But if you stay awake and you stay guys, there'll be royalties in the future. So um, the same thing by us over here, that um, we, we, we're we waiting for Mashiach, but you can't give up. Because if we give up, then uh, we'll be Yayish on the Geula. That's why we say that's the secret of Kalal Yisrael. And Yetz Hashem, we should be soiche. So Reb Tzadik, he says that the Gemara in Yusech Tzadik, Yusech Tzadik, on the Flam and Aleph, interesting Gemara. The Gemara says that... Um, He sapped the Osula Kamid of Nachman. There was an old lady, she came to Rav Nachman. She says to Rav Nachman that the Reish Kalusa and all the Rabbonin that are in his sukkah are sitting in a stolen sukkah. Because she tied that they stole the wood from her. So she cried and she screamed. Rav Nachman ignored her. 
Armalasha, she said to him, It's a the Abalay Abu at last may of the Tam they sray Abde Sokha Kamaich Gashkihuba. Right? A woman that had that her father had three hundred and eighteen servants. I'm screaming and you ignore me. Then one tries to figure out what's going on, what's her time that she had as ages that had three hundred and eighteen. There it says she's saying to them, What why are you not going with me? Because you're tying that Stam Gezel is Yish Bailon. I was Miyayish, and you can sit in the sukkah because you're kind of with Yish and Shini Rishos, and therefore you guys are sitting in a stolen sukkah, right? And so you have no problem, so I'm coming and complaining, you're fighting me on. He said, My Zayd was of Roma Vinu, and he went with Eliezer with 318 servants, and he wasn't Miyayish on the entire Yerusha of Sedoim and Unloit and everything like that. And so he took it all back, and he wasn't Miyayish. He had Eliezer. He was never Miyayish. I'm not Miyayish either. And they're sitting in a stolen sukkah, right? Because I'm not Miyayish. So that was her time, right? Yid is never Miyayish. So that's what she said. Don't think that they were able to sit in the sukkah and kind of be Yish, and not kind of Yish. I'm not Miyayish. My Zayda had Eliezer. And so, uh, that's the Sayyidina Gemara.